Namaste. I'm Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell here at the Unity Center in beautiful San Diego. Thank you so much for subscribing to this channel. Please make sure that you like the video you've just watched and consider making a contribution on our app or on our website. It's really easy to do. And thank you in advance for that support. It does make a difference. I told you we're beginning a series on the prose and poetry of Rumi. I told you that this morning I want to talk to you about the idea of just who do you think you are? And that song is an invitation to ask that question, who do we think we are and what are we waiting for? Who do you think you are? Have you ever been asked that question with that tone? Okay, your giggle tells me that you have. Just who do you think you are is a very different question than when we sit in a reflective state and ask and wonder and ponder, who am I? And maybe better than the word who really is the word what. What am I? Rumi is considered to be by many the most popular the favorite poet in the U.S. He lived in the 13th century. He was a Sufi mystic. And if you don't know, Sufism is a mystical arm of Islam. And most of the world's major religions do have a mystical arm. Our New Thought teachings in unity and in the science of the mind very much probe the mystical teachings, really, of all the world's religions. And so in this teacher, in this Sufi mystic, we get glimpses of not just the questions, but the answers to some of those questions. And I would suggest that the way we ask the question, who do we think we are, or what do we think we are, and the answer that we arrive at, or the answer that we accept, is very life-shaping. Think about that for a moment. Think about the phrase life-shaping. Someone who takes their answer to the question, who do you think you are, what do you think you are, from society, is going to come up with a very different answer, perhaps, than someone who takes their answer from their wounded past, than someone who takes their answer from their race or their culture. You see, each of those is, by and large, taking an answer from outside. And perhaps one of the most dangerous places to take that answer who or what do you think you are, in my opinion, is from Christianity itself. Do you know that of all the world's major religions, only Christianity has a doctrine of original sin? Think about that for a moment. Only Christianity has a doctrine of original sin, a teaching that attempts to say who and what we are right from the beginning before we even have a chance to make a mistake or have a chance to, quote, get it right. So where we get our answer from 
to the question who and what we are matters because that answer shapes us. How you answer that question for yourself, what you are, will absolutely influence everything else in your life. It will influence what you say yes to and what you say no to. That's powerful shaping in one's life. So it is highly important that we understand our answer to that question. And if we got the answer wrong, and I want to suggest that sometimes we can get the answer wrong, that we work to get the answer right. Because you and no one else on this planet is born in original sin. Each and every one of us is born right the first time. It it doesn't mean we don't have stuff to work through. It doesn't mean that we are perfect. It just means that the essence of us is not inherently bad or wrong or evil. That it is inherently holy. Our very Bible itself, in the book of Genesis, says very clearly what we're made of, how we're made. That we are made, what? Genesis 1.26, in the image and after the likeness of God. In the image and after the likeness of God. The ugliest version of God that exists, in my opinion, is the version of God that makes God in our image the worst part of us, because we can act pretty bad, can't we? That doesn't mean that we are inherently bad, but we can act pretty bad, individually and collectively. So what does Rumi say about some of this? Rumi says a lot. Rumi says a lot. And I wanted to kind of break it apart into three general categories. And the first category is this with regard to the question, knowing who and what you really are, beginning there, knowing what and who you truly are. Rumi says, you are not a drop in the ocean. You are the entire ocean in a drop. You are not a drop in the ocean. You are the entire ocean in a drop. Take that in, especially if you've heard those words before. It's so easy because it sounds very poetic, right? It is. To just go, oh, those are beautiful words. But take it in for a moment. Try to conceptualize it. Try to make it real for yourself. I am not a drop in the ocean. I am the entire ocean in a drop. That's big. That's saying that poetically all that the ocean is resides in me. Mystically, we say that all that the divine is, all that God is, and if you have baggage around the word God, then throw the word out. Don't throw God out. Throw the word out and put a different word to it. There's something beyond us ground of being, infinite life, divine source, whatever it is for you, what Rumi is saying is you are not not a drop of that. All of that, whatever that is, is within you, is within you. He goes on and he says, you were born with potential. You were born with goodness and trust. You were born with ideals and dreams. You were born with greatness. 
You were born with greatness. In the Marianne Williamson quote that I read earlier, where she says, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. Why? Why? Because then we have no excuses. Because then we have to metaphysically get up off our affirmations and do something. It means we have to stop blaming something out there and start knowing that there is greatness within every one of us, no matter what the packaging. And no matter what the life circumstances, there is greatness in every one of us. But it is up to us to unleash it. But if we don't believe it's there to begin with, then we don't even have a chance. And it's why I think coming together and learning together and, and challenging each other in a healthy way to see the divine in ourselves and to see it in each other helps us then to feel stronger, to say yes to whatever are the big opportunities and chances in our lives, to say yes. Where have you been holding back? Where have you not been trusting yourself? Rumi says, do you, know, do you know what you are? You are a manuscript of a divine letter. Isn't that beautiful? You are a manuscript of a divine letter. You are a mirror reflecting a noble face. When you look in the mirror tomorrow morning, before you put your makeup on or shave, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Before then, you are a mirror reflecting a noble face. What if you stood before that mirror and said, I am a mirror reflecting a noble face? It is to get outside of ourselves, thinking of ourselves as just this physical form. Yeah, we have this physical form. And we'd better take good care of it the best that we can if we want to ride through this life as long as we can. But to think that we are only that, to think that we are only the physical face shining back at us, is to miss the biggest part of who and what we really are. You are a mirror reflecting a noble face. You are a volume in the divine book, a mirror to the power that created the universe. Ruby was not unique in some of these ideas, and I don't say that to discredit him or minimize the greatness of what he's offered. But it was not, he was not the only one that had that perspective. We can look to parts of our own Bible and find at least hints of it. In Hebrews chapter 2, what is mankind that you are mindful of him or them, depending upon the version you're reading? You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor. Why do we take the worst part? of the fall of two allegorical people who did not live in human form in the Garden of Eden called Adam and Eve, and because they disobeyed God and the church slapped a teaching of interpretation on that called original sin, I hope you're following me, why in the world would we choose to take the definition of who and what we are from that when the very same collection of books called the Bible also says something different? that you are crowned with glory and honor, not to walk around in a boastful way, but to trust that there's something great in every single one of us, and to know that we each have a part to play, not only for our small 
individual lives. But to play the greatest version of ourselves for whatever contribution we can make to the collective, whatever that is. Second area, knowing where to look for fulfillment. Rumi has quite a bit to say about where to look for fulfillment. And as soon as I, I, I hear that, I think of the country and western song that was popular of quite some time ago, looking for love in all the wrong places, right? Well, we could substitute the word love for any number of things. We look for a lot of the important stuff in all the wrong places. Every mystic, whether it is Rumi or another, tells us don't look for the stuff out there. Rumi says, you wander from room to room hunting for the diamond necklace that is already around your neck. Yeah. You wander from room to room hunting for the diamond necklace that is already around your neck. In metaphysics, we often put things in cute little sayings, and here's one of those. Go within or go without. Go within or go without. You wander from room to room hunting for the diamond necklace that is already around your neck. Why do we go hunting for it outside? I don't know that there's one answer that fits. I'm sure there is not one answer that fits everyone. But I do know enough of human nature and my own nature that we, <clears throat> excuse me, we do seem to have a tendency to look outside before we look inside. And maybe that's because the outside is so tempting. Maybe that's just because we haven't cultivated the practice, which I think is harder and harder to do in our crazier and crazier world, to come apart a while, to use words that Jesus used, to come apart a while, not to come apart and fall apart, but to come apart, to separate for a while, to separate from the demands of the outer and cultivate the practice of being quiet and reflective. How in the world can we ever know what's really going on inside of us? Not just the, the ruminations in our head, but the call of our soul. If we are always going, 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 going. Another reason I think that maybe we wander from room to room hunting for the diamond necklace that is already around our neck is that we don't trust. Is that we are tempted by shiny things out here. That we don't realize truly what matters, truly what gives our spirit and soul a sense of upliftment. And what I can say is having been a minister for a lot of years, and having performed any number of memorial services, that without fail toward the end of one's life and in every memorial service I've ever conducted, those are the times that people begin to really say, what matters most to me? And am I living my life to that? And what a tragedy in a way, would you not agree, to wait until then. And that's what mystics like Rumi are trying to say to us. Don't wait. Don't wander from room to room hunting for 
the diamond necklace that's already around your neck that's all, that you're already wearing. He also says, why are you so enchanted by this world when a mine of gold lies within you? Take a deep breath in for a moment. And what if you could believe that, own that even more than whatever extent you might own it right now? Is there something you would do different in your life? And if an answer arises for you when I ask that question, take note of that, whatever that is. Write it down, commit it to memory, and begin to work with that. Begin to follow that. You see, there is a still small voice of wisdom within every single one of us. But we do need to be quiet to hear it. And it often takes a little more time than going outside trying to get our answers or our fulfillment there. It takes some time. It takes some time. And that's probably why we do go from room to room rather than slowing down and going within. And the third area, he speaks about knowing how we're meant to live. How we're meant to live. He says, stop acting so small. You are the universe in ecstatic motion. Can you visualize that even a little bit? Even a little bit. Stop acting so small. Where are the edges that you've placed around yourself and what you think you are capable of? Stop acting so small. You are the universe in ecstatic motion. I like the word universe, and I like the word ecstatic, alive, vibrant. I think of the co-founder of our unity movement, Charles Fillmore, who at 86 wrote an affirmation for himself that's become a much-loved affirmation in the unity movement, especially because he wrote it when he was 86. And the affirmation is, I fairly sizzle with zeal and enthusiasm to spring forth with a mighty faith to do the work that ought to be done by me today. 86. When your alarm clock goes off tomorrow morning, I hope your, your internal mind will say to you as you get ready to get up out of bed, I fairly sizzle with zeal and enthusiasm to spring forth and do a mighty work that, uh, I fairly sizzle with zeal and enthusiasm to spring forth to do the work that is mine to do today with a mighty faith. You are the universe in ecstatic motion. You are not just this physical thing whether you like the physical thing or not, <laughs> whether you'd like to change it or not, and that's up for much conversation. But you are so much more than that. And so I think Rumi, in beautiful, vivid, imaginative language, is trying to help us own these ideas for ourselves. And can you imagine what your life would be like if you did? Can you imagine if your partner's life would be like if he or she did? Can you imagine if as a culture we lived more into these teachings? Would the world be a different place? I would say, hell yes. 
I think I'm only halfway through. I missed the whole first half of the year and never said a naughty word in here. <laughs> yes, everything would be different. Last roomy idea I'll share with you this morning. You are born with wings. You are not meant for crawling, so don't. You have wings. Learn to use them and fly. Learn to use them and fly. It's time for us to move into the close of our service. But before I go through what I usually do, I want to ask you just to close your eyes for a moment. And I want to ask you just to reflect on what idea, if any, grabbed you this morning? What, if anything, did your inner self, your gut, your heart, your soul, bring into your awareness today? Is there something that you have been afraid to say yes to? Is there some change that in the deepest part of you, you know you need to make, you want to make, Maybe you just don't know how. Maybe you just don't have all the answers. But whatever that is, whatever arose for you, I would suggest that you consider that like the diamond necklace around your neck. It's a gift. Make note of it. And be open and receptive, be prayerful, be mindful about what you can do to bring that forth to honor that, to trust yourself.